Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm Kat. And I am T. Hi, T. Hello, Kat. And welcome back, everyone. You get to listen to us talk and read the Bible. Um, how are? Let's just check in with T real quick. How are you, sir? Um, I don't know, honestly. My life is chaotic. Um, and I'm trying to decide. I mean. <laughs> I'm the common denominator, but yeah, um, it's, it's romantically my life is chaotic. Actually, no, not even just romantically. Like just my personal life right now is very chaotic, man. I don't know. It's a lot of moving parts. Well, I gotta say, mine isn't. I mean, there's the one aspect, but even that isn't chaotic. It's mostly just frustrating. And um, I don't know. Have you thought about maybe um, seeking the wisdom of the good book to uh, solve some of your chaos problems? Because it sounds like you got some serious ass chaos problems. Um. Well, this is mostly internal chaos that I'm feeling, like my own anxiety, and that's the worst kind. You can't get away from that. Yeah, but uh, no, I haven't. Um. It's funny because going down to Georgia this past week, man, Jesus is everywhere. <laughs> is he ever? <laughs> Jesus um, is everywhere. It's oh man, we um, I was watching that documentary or docu series on Netflix, How to Become a Cult Leader, uh, and it just seems like there's this desire human beings have to worship something or to believe somebody has all the answers yeah elaborate please and i saw that I you posted that um well i just that. feel like and it's not like i've never felt that way like i've been a part of you know i would say a couple of organizations that could be characterized as cults and there is a comfort in being like oh man we got all the answers all i have to do is just obey and it'll be revealed to me eventually and i'll be able to have that sort of confidence that the leader has and or i don't know like it's it's because even when you study like the life of jesus we haven't gotten there yet but it's going to be a little controversial it's not that inspirational like just as a story and as a text because just giving like this is like a little over 2000 years ago basically it sounds like there was this guy named jesus and he did seem cool but like if you think about it, how it really was the roman government like assassinated him politically publicly and you know it's a, it's supposed to be this sort of like rocky redemption story and then about how he's going to come back for all of us one day but even in the book he says like before all of my disciples die i'll be back you know within their lifetime and then he doesn't 
and then life kind of just goes on the way it was before people be like oh he changed the world it's like i mean not it was really like jesus was fighting capitalism and now he's used as sort of the mascot for you know sort of christian imperial capitalism yeah you know it's funny how those two blend actually while you were talking that made me think of the uh jesus coming back made me think of the family guy skit passion of the christ 2 or whatever it was <laughs> when he with the guns when jesus is back <laughs> and he's yeah i actually do uh, i mean i don't i remember the concept but it would be re worth rewatching. i love it but i guess that's been a thing though like a lot of uh pastors have been saying a lot of notes they've been getting about their sermons is that jesus is coming across too pussy really yeah no, i mean or like it's liberal i mean they're not saying those words i'm paraphrasing but they're basically saying like yeah jesus is coming off as sort of like a liberal cuck hmm. well okay but i mean that's the thing the the actual teachings of jesus are in opposition to modern christian the mainstream anyway shout out to everybody who's actually like trying to be christ for one another you know that was ultimately jesus's commandment was if you love me feed my sheep once again that was crazy disrespectful to call your followers sheep but you know um, whatever yeah i can see that i mean sheep has a come on sheeple and and even in real life and even the metaphor is not a good one it's like oh jesus is the good shepherd it's like you know they don't keep the sheep for the good of the sheep you keep sheep because you use them for meat and wool and a lot of times shepherds fuck them so yeah, yeah like it's not really like sheep aren't like having a great life you know the it's not a good metaphor i mean it's it's an apt metaphor because you probably are going to get fleeced in the church and there's a good chance you're you know if you're a child or a woman you're gonna get fucked and um i don't know i don't think they'll use you for meat but they'll definitely use your free labor for sure i <laughs> uh, sorry sirens going on outside um yeah you know it's funny that with the sheep metaphor because there are certain people that I know who are followers of Christ that I think that that word in term is certainly apropos. Like they come off as just people who are followers. They don't really want to stretch their ideas. They don't want to question things. Um, and it, I don't know. I mean, I've said this before. It kind of makes me sad um, because I'm a person who likes to question things and break things down. Um, you know what's funny switching subjects a little bit is uh, so I'm doing rehearsal now for a new production I'm gonna be in and it's taking place in a church now I'm assuming most of these people uh, may not be Christy because um, they um, are all part of the LGBTQ community and not saying that people in that are not but just seeing how that both those lifestyles conflict. We can, I think we can safely say the branding for Christianity the past couple decades has been pretty anti-gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so we're in regardless, that's not even the important part. What's funny is I'm sitting there and there's this, you know, you know, the very famous picture of just Jesus kind of the profile of Jesus, white Jesus. 
when like the 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 um, what is it called? The backlight is kind of behind him. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's this big picture of that in the room we were rehearsing in, and I'm just looking at that like, oh, isn't that the Cesar Borgia, right? <laughs> and then he like, oh man, and Cesar Borgia was such a uh, ruthless, yes, warmonger. Yes. Yes. Um, Not exactly a harbinger of Christ's love, I would say. He was not a turn the other cheap type of fella. He's more of a, hey, I'll disembowel you and then fuck you in the ass kind of guy. You know what's crazy is there's a story about. But his dad was the Pope. I always forget that. Um, (laughs) There's a story I was listening to while I was in Georgia um, because I was listening to something about, like, the. Machiavelli or something the prince I don't know but Cesar Borgia one of the interesting things I found out about him is like he had a henchman that went into this town and did all his dirty work and then when they had overrun ruled this town or whatever it was overthrown this town he went in and he killed that henchman and so all the people all the hate that the people had they associated with that henchman like actually and then when I think about that and then I think about Cesar Borgia's you know, being the face of Christ. Very cunning individual, man. I'm going to try to turn this into a clip. I keep saying I'm going to clip some of these videos, but I'm going to show like a portrait of Cesare Borgia and then the modern, a lot of what we, the modern depictions of Jesus. And um, yeah, we, we, I mean, we have eyeballs. We can decide for ourselves. Like, was this because once again this wouldn't have looked like the Jew, the Jewish man the Roman government executed for being all mouthy about how like hey let's come together and love each other and not sell each other for profit hey this, this is Kat breaking in with a quick correction we did some talking after the podcast so we're going to clear up this whole Cesare Borgia modern depiction of Jesus Christ thing Oh, so it looks like the hypothesis is flawed. They're saying like it's um, Jesus was already being depicted in that way for centuries prior to Borgia's life. Oh, okay. So that's not a real thing. I mean, there's probably some, you know, I'm sure that he may have set for some of them, but it looks like this existed before him. Gotcha. Well, I will be sure to clear that up. But they did put in the article too that the, for instance, if Jesus was depicted as the darker skinned, smaller individual that he almost certainly would have been in real life prior to Borgia's purchase entering the frame, then there would be a link. But because they had already been depicting him in this sort of Caucasoid way, like it, it didn't start with Cesare Borgia. Borgia. Gotcha. Um, so sorry for the misinformation, but here at the Bible Breakdown, we're not afraid to admit we were wrong. Peace. <laughs> so you were saying that oh, for clarity that uh, Christianity and um, capitalism conflict. conflict. I'm not going to say direct conflict, but it. I feel like I feel like Al Franken did this great bit in one of his books called Supply Side Jesus, 
where, you know, the stories in the Bible would have sounded a lot differently if the conservatives of this day were right and Jesus was on their side because it it's the whole thing Jesus was talking about is like, yeah, these riches are going to corrupt your soul. You should follow me. And keep in mind, too, I don't think Jesus was like magic. I think he was just a guy. And so the other thing he was talking about, too, was that, like, you don't even need to worry about this world because I'm an apocalypse preacher and this is all going to end and my dad's going to come back and everything. Actually, he he claimed that we were all sons of God. I feel like the mythology of him being like a virgin birth from the Lord, you know, that was a, something that was added later. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. If you study once again, shout out to art history. Um, that really kind of put a lot of the missing pieces of the puzzle together for me when I was kind of going through my own deconversion. Fascinating stuff. It Fascinating is. stuff. It is. But like I said, we're just going step by step. Once again, we've we've read how many books of the Bible so far? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. One, two, three, dozens, four, five, sure. six, seven, eight. We are on the ninth book of the Bible so far. We are killing it now. Okay, granted, not dozens. Um, we're not I was thinking of all through. the verses as a book, but yes, yeah, we're on the ninth. Yeah, book as far as like different books, because the Bible's a compilation. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, and once again, it's very interesting to do the sort of historical work of what books were selected and which ones weren't. It wasn't some magical process. It was just like, picture the Vatican now. That's pretty much how it looked back then. It was just a bunch of white dudes, like, infighting over what was going to make it. I'm waiting Ooh. for T to finish yawning. I'm boring him. I'm sorry. Now, no, you think you're, you're If you think you're bored now, <laughs> wait until I start reading this. Oh, man. It's, okay. Well, actually, this one's kind last... of an adventure one. Oh, yes, I do want to do it last time. So last time we talked about Samuel's birth and dedication. You had made the um, comparison that Samuel is what puff or or David's puff something. You did a bad boy comparison. I did. He was kind of like the producer for Saul and David. Yeah. So and then we talked. We did Hannah's prayer, which um, was very What's interesting. That? Hannah's prayer or Hannah? Hannah? Oh, yeah, we were still deciding on that when we couldn't decide. Um, yeah, yeah, Hannah's prayer. Once again, that was when people talk about like, oh, the Bible is such a source of, you know, beautiful lit literature and poetry. For the most part, that hasn't been true. But for uh, Hannah, all of she had bars. That part was actually actually kind of like good. Yeah, yeah, that I, I actually enjoyed. I enjoyed that. Um, the message personally. wasn't good. I don't think you. Sh I don't think uh, the Lord is in control of fertility, and if He gives you a kid, I don't think you should leave it with a bunch of priests. I think that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Yeah, I don't have much. I don't have much to add. Um, yeah, I can't really remember much. Yeah, and and also this was also another instance of polygamy in the Bible. Like God was obviously super cool with it. Like he, oh, because what was Han Hannah's Hannah's husband's name? Um, hold on, let me go look. Because uh, whatever, uh, oh, her husband's name was Elkanan, and basically she was his favorite wife. 
so he felt really bad that he hadn't knocked her up yet so the lord finally heard her prayer and um gave, she well she made a bargain with the lord she was like look if you can let me finally have a kid i'll leave it with your priests mm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so um but yeah i think we can get into it because right now i think we are actually going to get into some action because this is Samuel 4, the Ark of God Captured. Ooh. All right. You ready for this? Let me lock in. Let me, uh, all right. And Take again, we're away. reading the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Because, man, are there a bunch of them. There's a bunch of different versions. I don't even feel like counting. It's, it's so much. But we we decided on the Revised Standard Version. Uh, we're not doing the King James Version because that one's harder to read. And it's not holier than the other ones. It just had better branding. You know, it's just, it was really dense. That's that's what I've learned. We tried, but we tried at first. It was just impossible. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say impossible. It's just, you know, what we, you know what we could have done, though, in hindsight, is i mean we didn't know this at the time because we started this podcast two years ago or now almost three years three years ago because uh, this was 2020 right i believe so yeah yeah so this was like maybe right around and you COVID? didn't give me anything for our anniversary i'm sorry it's i forgive you that's my life is continuous <laughs> continuously letting women around me down apparently yeah it's okay um, but if we had chat gbt then King James Version would have been. You know, oh yeah, that could have. But still, reading it would have been like, like phys, just the physical act of reading it would have been so uncomfortable. It's already still pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna dive in. <clears throat> Go ahead. First Samuel chapter four. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. In those days, the Philistines mustered for war against Israel, and Israel went out to battle against them. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and when the battle was joined, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. When the troops came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord put us to round today? Route put us to rout today before the Philistines. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh so that he may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts who is enthroned on the cherubim. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the camp, the, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. When the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, "Why does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews? What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean?" When they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they say, "Gods have come into the camp." They also said. Woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, in order to not become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight! So, Phineas fought, uh, so the Philistines fought, Israel was defeated, and they fled. 
everyone to his home. Then there was a great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. The death of Eli. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes torn and with earth upon his head. When he arrived, Eli was sitting upon his seat by the road, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. When the man came to the city and and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, What is this uproar? Then the man came quickly and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were set so he could not see. The man said to Eli, I have just come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. He said, How did it go, my son? The messenger replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has also been a great slaughter amongst, among the troops. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backwards from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. He had judged Israel for Israel 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant, about to give birth. When she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her labor pains overwhelmed her. As she was about to die, the woman attended her, said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. Not one of those worthless daughters. But she did not answer or give heed. She named the child Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Um, well, I took a few things from this. So one, um, it was stupid as hell of them to take the ark into battle. Um, they only did that to guarantee. They thought they were going to use that to guarantee victory, but um, yeah, that was risky move. That was a I risky think move. That the ark of the covenant's like a router. Like so, the closer <laughs> it is to the action the better the reception will be, right? That's how God magic works, right? Yeah, but it didn't work because don't they, oh. didn't, the, didn't they capture it? And then they killed, well, uh, but killed the sons. I think the God magic got confused and was just giving favor to the Philistines. Like it didn't no. know which team. It was just, they needed to like have a red team and a blue team. Everybody was just dirty mud people. You know, okay, I gotta say this. Um, War war is just nasty business. Like any any type of that in real life is just I don't know if it's just cuz I'm getting older and I think tell us about it pop pop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you cuz as a younger man, I was definitely more rambunctious. Um people getting killed was not that big of a deal to me. But uh, as an older gentleman who has gone through life and has lost people and is somewhat responsible for bringing people up under me up and worrying about their well-being it just like anytime i hear about like fathers losing their sons or parents losing their kids or whatever like that breaks my heart man even the bible because it doesn't have to be like that i mean life is so cheap like i think as you get older life isn't as cheap like you can't just think of them as like um, stormtroopers, 
Yeah, and I don't know what I think one of the which is crazy. One of the biggest shifts was when I played Last of Us Two. I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but <laughs> you I haven't. Have, but we've talked about <laughs> it. But because in that game, I remember at that time, like I didn't really like that game, or I was just frustrated with. It. I won't say I didn't like it. That game is fucking fabulous, but I was frustrated with it. And then one of the things, the brilliant when I got done playing it, one of the brilliant things that they do with that video game is like you're not just killing people for the sake of killing them, like they do a really good job at humanizing the people that you kill even the fucking like npcs like the so it ever since i've went on to play video games like that i often think about oh shit like this is just like i'm killing people who you know i'm humanizing them now like this is which then translates into real life where it's like oh i have to think about how i talk and treat other people and um one of the most brilliant things i heard the other day actually was from somebody and she said you know i try to teach my son that when he goes into the world any person that he interacts with he has to remember that that is the most important person to somebody else and so you should treat them with respect and i was just like so fucking that is a good thought experiment i was like whoa that is crazy like just crazy beautiful I mean, if you really open up the <laughs> levels of like what like spirituality and what love is supposed to be like, you really should see everyone else as just another expression of yourself. Like you're just another part of me. Even like, the guy that's fucking your girl. I mean, you guys I've <laughs> no! have similar tastes. <laughs> <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead i mean you guys obviously have similar tastes like you have a lot in common like you know like he's very he's more like you than other people you know like your eskimo brothers Leaving no i just brought that i just brought that up because of the experience that i had earlier this year and it's like you know that's eskimo it, brotherly love like i know and like the the empath in me is like okay this person is just doing what that you was know, so country. This person, this person is just doing what, <laughs> <laughs> what you know, what I would do. But at the same time, like, I'm not. I don't know. It was just a crazy situation. I just I brought mean, that up because that's know, often what I think about, like in situations like that. It's like okay, uh, well, you, you can't overreact. I, I, to me, the and I'm a weirdo, but like. I don't, I've never, even when I've had partners cheat on me, I've never been mad at the person that they chose to step out with. Like, that person doesn't owe me anything. I've always directed my, you know, my, my, you know. I wasn't mad at this. I wasn't mad at him, per se. I, I'm just saying, like, to me, it's not hard to understand. If I'm sleeping with someone, it's not hard for me to understand why somebody else might want to sleep with them. I... I wasn't necessarily mad at them. I was mad at the woman who put me in that situation. And in my being upset with her at the time, um, I just, you know, like that base instinctual, like, anger my mate. <laughs> comes out. And it's just like I was ready to have a is this your king moment like yeah. i was i was ready to do that like but um yeah my point yeah. in all of this because i was really just bringing that up too 
um, I don't even know. I guess well, be funny. We were talking about but, brotherly love, like you're just supposed to love everybody, and you were like, even yeah. the guy who's fucking your girl, and I was like, yeah, especially him. <laughs> Yo, that is a crazy concept. Well, I don't know. That's a crazy concept. That's a whole other conversation. I'm trying not to get too sidetracked today. Right. Um, but well, yes, well, by well, that's an extra. That's a fantastic segue for you to start reading. Uh, first Samuel five. Ooh, okay, Samuel five. The Philistines in the Ark. When the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, and then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and placed it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon falling on his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place. But when they rose early on the next morning, Dagon had fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off upon the upon the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. This is why the priest of Dagon and all who entered the house of Dagon do not step on the threshold of Dagon in, that, in Ashdod to this day. The hand of the Lord was heavily upon. Oh, I'm sorry. Heaven. Yeah, yeah. The hand of the Lord was heavy upon the people of Ashdod, and he terrified and struck them with tumors, both in Ashdod and in its territory. And when the inhabitants of Ashdod saw how things were, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is heavy on us and on our God Dagon. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel, the inhabitants of Gath? replied let the ark of god be moved on to us so they moved the ark of the god they moved so they moved the ark of the god of israel to gath before they had brought it to gath the hand of the lord was against the city causing a very great panic he struck he struck the inhabitants of the city both young and old so that tumors broke out on them so they sent the ark of the god of israel to ekron but when the ark of god came to ekron the people of ekron cried out why have they thought of why have they brought around to us the ark of the God of Israel to kill us and our people? They sent therefore and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of God of Israel and let it return to its own place, that it may not kill us and our people, for there was a deathly panic throughout the whole city. The hand of God was heavy there. Those who did not die were stricken with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. Thanks be to God. Yeah, thanks be to God. So why couldn't have people, why couldn't have God have struck down the people? This just seems very convoluted. You know what this reminds me of? Like a college, uh, like an, an 80s college film where they prank the other college and steal their mascot. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but it was really kind of a Trojan horse because maybe the tactic was like they had like smallpox blankets in the covenant. So everywhere it went, it just like took a pestilence or something. Mm. I don't know. Like, do you think, and and then the fact that, so then the other part too is like Bible is Dagon real since it kept bowing down to the real God. Like what's, what's going on? Well, so if I'm interpreting this right, it seems like the Ark of the Covenant is actually maybe this was kind of what the Indiana Jones movies were getting at, but like or movie is like that having that is actually a bad thing, right? Like people think it's a good thing. It's well, the wrong thing. people having it. 
Well, from what I've gathered from this is anybody who's had it in their possession gets fucked up. But that's the thing, because it was only supposed to be for the Israel, for the Hebrews. So I think it's only in the canon of the story. If anybody other than the Hebrews have it, then it's bad. Yeah, well. But if the Hebrews have it, like in the Holy of Holies in the sanctuary or whatever, then it's good. I think they just made the mistake by taking it outside. So, who claims to have the Ark of the Covenant now? I believe uh, it's a temple in Ethiopia. Okay. Because they claim to have a direct lineage to King Solomon. Part of me feels like it's Cap. Like they're just saying <laughs> that shit. Because you can't actually go see it. Right, right. It's a holy, yeah. it's a holy place. So you can only go if you're like, you know, one of the priests there, and absolutely no stinking women. You know, man. Um, another thing that I get from reading these stories is so many names get taken from the Bible. Like, so many people have named biblical names. Yeah, so many. Because, I mean, you know, for black people, you used to just, like, pick a name for the Bible to name the kids. Like, you would just blindly point until you landed on, like, either a boy or girl name. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's how Oprah got her name, and then they spelled it wrong. Because it was Orphra, which was Naomi's other daughter-in-law that wasn't in love with her. Interesting. Because, I mean, Eli, Phineas. uh, Yeah. I don't know if I've heard of Dagon. I've heard, I've, I feel like I've heard Dagon and kind of like when people are doing like hell demon stuff since he's like considered sort of an alternative god or whatever. Um, I feel like I've heard that as like a demon name before maybe. Did you see that thing I sent you about shadow work? No. I think I sent it on your TikTok. Well, the other podcast that you are associated with is TikTok because I don't think you have a personal TikTok. Oh, I'm never I don't have TikTok. Oh, well so I'm going to do my best to paraphrase this but uh, essentially the lady was, she does shadow work. From what I gather from it, it's just like journaling and it, it and it, it's like embra- it's like breaking down I guess the darkness within you or your traumas or something like that. Some that's kind of what I've got. I could be wrong, but that's what I gather from what she was saying. But it's called shadow work, and so sounds witchy. <laughs> so you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> so she she I guess she was getting some pushback from people of the Christian community because that sounds like some witchcraft, devilly mm-hmm. shit. And then she was like, "In nowhere in the Bible does it even." say that what i'm doing is wrong and she was like and i actually learned something she was like uh damn she she gave the root word of religion which is just to like do again yeah Yeah. and i was like oh shit that's what that means and like i don't know it's just it's funny how because what you were just saying about dagan it makes me think of like how people just associate they just put these parameters on things that they feel could take away from the Christ binary thinking and it's because it's you know calorically efficient actually our brains have to use so much energy to process so going deeper it's it's uh it's evolutionarily expensive um you know i think going deeper is also what you say earlier jesus was being a fucking um liberal cuck uh, yeah I think that's 
me be lately i feel like i understand that because <laughs> you know when you have such an understanding of the world and you want to operate with love it, people will take advantage of that i mean but that's why you have to have boundaries because people who love you will not take advantage of that like who truly love you and want the best for you but of course like these fucking bloodsuckers out here grow up watching twilight and it's like yeah fall in love with the vampire fuck no like um yeah i do like the line the hand of god was very heavy there because i was like yeah that pimp hand it's like keep fucking with me and see how many tumors you get (laughs) love 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 (laughs) and see that's the thing i feel like this is why i talk so much smack because this is what is being branded and promoted as the purest love is like god's love for us in the bible and it's not it's actually very narcissistic and abusive and i think that's why we see so much of that and how it's just normalized so many of these abuse tactics are normalized in our society because they're in the bible and how could the bible be wrong it's like you mean that thing the slave masters gave us yeah it could probably be wrong or not a hundred percent like most things like there's some good stuff and some bad stuff there's no reason to give it more weight than anything else but there's some pushback on that because people argue that christianity was around for black people before slavery so like i brought up the ethiopians but we're not doing that brand of christianity over Mm -hmm. here are we and as i mentioned before they're very anti-women it's not like it's kumbaya over there either it's just culturally people appropriate this stuff for whatever their interests are yeah it's it's (laughs) you know i keep saying i need to do more research on this um Mm -hmm. all of it because it's i mean i find it actually fascinating i think i'm getting to a point where just all of the things about the different religions and how they go do the they branch off and do their own things is but they root from this one story or whatever is very interesting to me it's like yeah the evolution of cultures and all of this stuff it is fascinating because i was even thinking too with the hebrews and the philistines i when i've done my own research about about this like it sounds like they were probably originally the same people and just splintered off and then it these are just like family beefs you know what i mean like we're (laughs) thinking this in like some grand scale but like i said this was a very small part of earth back in a time where there wasn't much infrastructure these people were fighting over resources oh that's the same thing we're doing now yeah (laughs) yeah like that's what war is always about which is crazy because it just comes down to, I think, greed, laziness. And it's like, if you don't have the resource to produce the thing that you think you want, then maybe we should invent other ways to try to get that same outcome or a similar outcome. And it's, I don't know, it's weird, man, because we, I mean, I think we talked about this last time or about you know continue to bring children into this world and it's like well are we just setting them up for failure because (laughs) no i believe in i i I think that just like i feel like we are better off than our ancestors were 200 years ago could we agree Mm. with that as black people We're, we're black people yeah i'm not black okay i'm 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 not black. black i'm oj 
I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but would you say that you're better off than your ancestors were 200 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I would not want to live in that time at all. Absolutely exactly. Things not. get better. Like, that's the thing. Back then, people had the same sort of attitude of like, it's always going to be like this. It's never going to get better. We might as well just prepare for the afterlife. But what keeps happening is life keeps going. Jesus doesn't come back. So you have to just keep going. And for the people who are like, let's make the future good for, you know, the future ancestors, then I think that's a better way to think of it than any day now. Jesus is going to get get back at everybody who made fun of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people really believe that. They really think that jesus is gonna come back in yeah put everybody in their place um i don't know i don't personally believe that but let's see if samuel first samuel 6 convinces me all right well. the ark returned to israel the ark of the lord was in the country of the philistines seven months then the philistines called for the priest and the divin diviners and d divinator diviners and said what shall we do with the ark of the lord tell us what should we send with it to its place they said if you send away the ark of the god of israel do not send it empty but by all means return him a guilt offering then you will be healed and will be ransomed and will not his hand then turn from you and they said what is the guilt offering and why shall we return it to him oh what is the guilt offering and what offering that we shall return to him they answered five gold tumors and five gold mice according to the number of the lords of the philistines for the same plague was upon all of you and upon your lords so you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to the lord god of israel Perhaps he will lighten his hand on you and your gods in your land. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaohs hardened their hearts? After he made fools of them, did they not let the people go and they departed? Now then, get ready a new cart and two milk cows that never bore a yoke, and yoke the cows to the cart, but take their calves home away from them. Man, that's mean. Take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put in a box at its side the figures of gold, which you're returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off and let it go its way and watch if it goes up on the way it's to its own land to Beth Shemesh. Then it is he who has done us this great harm. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us it happened to us by chance the men did so they took two milk cows and yoked them to a cart and shut up their calves at home they put the ark of the lord on the cart and the box uh, with the gold mice and images of their tumors the cows went straight in the direction of beth shemesh along one way lowing as they went they turned neither to the right or to the left and the lords of the philistines went after them as far as the border of beth shemesh now the people of beth shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley when they looked up and saw the ark they went rejoicing to meet it the cart came into the field of joshua beth shemesh and stopped there 
a large stone was there, so they split up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in which were the gold objects, and set them upon the large stone. Then the people of Beth Shemesh burnt, offered burnt offerings and presented sacrifices on that day to the Lord. When the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned that day to Ekron. These are the gold tumors which the Philistines returned as a guilt offering to the Lord, one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron. Also the gold mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belong to the five lords, both fortified cities and unwalled villages. The great stone beside which they set the ark of the Lord is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beshemesh, the ark at Kirath Jerem. The descendants of Jenkoia did not rejoice with the people of Beshemesh when they greeted the ark of the Lord, and he killed 70 men of them. The people mourned because the Lord had made a great slaughter among the people. Then the people of Beshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? To whom shall he go so that we may be rid of him? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kirath Jerem, saying, The Philistines have returned. The ark of the Lord come down and take it up to you. <sighs> okay, so once again, um, people being in possession of the ark and then getting fucked over. Yeah. Also, okay, the beginning is weird. So the Philistines, like, they have a meeting and they're like, look, we talked it over with the priests and the diviners and they were like, you got to take two cows, split them up from their kids, put them in a cart. If it goes this way, that means God did this to us and now he'll forgive us because we're paying them off. And mm-hmm. if it goes the other way, it just means, ah, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that would have helped you decide if this was like really an act of God or just some random stuff happening, but which is weird. Well, whatever. So, um, I don't know. What did you think? Oh, um, I mean, I kind of said it. I, I just clearly this them having the arc is not really helping anyone. <laughs> so maybe and I don't know maybe they didn't know at the time but like in hindsight like you just said maybe the the Hebrews I guess who were the ones to originally have it so maybe just letting them have it would have been worked out in the favor of everyone um but who knows who knows I don't uh, it, it always calls into question this for me why didn't God just intervene why say that again why didn't God just intervene? Right. In a more direct way. It always seems yeah. like it's always this very, you know, circumventing directness in ways that, like you said, could have just been chance. Like people do get tumors and boils and mice. We're all familiar with the word. So, yeah, like I don't always. That's actually one of my biggest issues with the, the, the Bible is because people do get boils and tumors and diseases and die and stuff like that and we always like anytime that it's something like that it's pray to god but also god but in, when people survive it's like oh thanks be to god but when they don't then it's god's will like i don't what the fuck I mean, basically, there's just always a, you know, a route, you know, in the flow chart so that you just get back to, you know, give God the credit. Like we're not that to me, that's what bothers me, because it 
I think it encourages learned helplessness where it's like, mm. you know, whatever God's will is, like we can't really do anything about it. It's like, okay, but I mean, it obviously wasn't God's will that we have toilets, but we figured that out. And I think it was the right decision. But then one would argue that God gave you the ability to figure it out and the resources to do it. I'm also trying to figure out this last little part was weird too. I'm not even sure I understand. Like the descendant, the descendants of Jin Kunai did not rezo- rejoice with the people of Beth Shemesh. I did like saying Beth Shemesh. That was fun to say. When they greeted the Ark of the Lord and he killed 70 men of them. When they said he, they're, they're mean God, right? Because like basically they didn't rejoice enough. So God killed 70 of them. The Ark of the Lord. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. That's how I read it. And then the people mourned because the Lord had made Well, hold slaughter. on. Yeah. In mine. Then, yeah, it says the so, people mourned because. So I have a little like uh, thing I can click on for that on my computer. And it says Heb killed 70 men, 50,000. No, men. that just says Greek colon Hebrew. And he, this is, those were just translations. Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah. Because so the very the next line is the people mourn because the Lord had made a great slaughter among the people. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, God's still back on that shit. Yeah, he was like, yeah, um, you guys needed to cheer a little bit louder. I just did a thing. Yeah. God loves murdering people. And then the created. people of Beshemeth said, who was able to stand before this, the Lord, this holy God, to whom shall he go so that we may be rid of him? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, I think it would, I I always did, when I was growing up, have this fascination around the Ark of the Covenant. Of course, there was the Indiana Jones stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which looking back was horribly racist. And then the, um, um, uh, just the idea of like this holy art. Here's what I wanted to bring up. So one of the things that the Ark of the Covenant is supposedly supposed to have in it is the tablets Moses brought down for the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments was you can't make graven images like of anything in heaven or earth. And the Ark of the Covenant has cherubim on it. That would be an engraving of something, you know, from heaven at least. Yeah. So it's kind of... I, this is the real definition of irony. It's kind of ironic that this holy object with this commandment, the ornamentation around it is directly in conflict with the tablets. Hmm. It's the opposite of what you should do if you were trying to, you know, follow God's holy laws. You see how he gets down when you don't follow directions. That God is very dumb. <sighs> he set the he set the uh the way for all of us. Man, or I should say the Lord. So yeah, um I don't think I'm gonna convert today. There's always next time. Yeah, but it looks like um we're setting up for some interesting stuff uh next time. Uh, we'll have Samuel becoming a judge because like I said uh, you know because he had the the deaths of Phineas and Eli had been prophesied that they were going to die on the same day Mm -hmm. because remember when God was like hey Samuel like come here and he was like here I am Lord 
Because, but I was telling you, I was pretty sure that was just spiritual theater. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, well, you've said that for a lot of people who claim to have the. I really think all of it direct, is. I don't think any of these people are talking to the creator of the universe. I think they're just making it up. So what do you think when people say like, oh, I had a dream and it told me. You probably had um, a dream. Yeah. So the people who say, oh, I had a dream about like this happened and God or whatever. Do you think that's just bullshit or that's just a manifestation of the dreams. thoughts? Like, I don't think our dreams are that significant. Even the people who study like our sleep dreams are often a way that we work out problems that we have i don't think that's necessarily the creator of the universe talking to us or specific people Mm. yeah we just have dreams about the stuff we've seen and think about (laughs) ta-da okay (laughs) i know we like to be like so universally significant we're not that different from the bacteria that inhabits our body we're just mm. moving on biological Im- impulses and protocols. We get to have consciousness. It's a blessing and a curse. Um, but I'm trying to have some fun with it. I mean, I think that's all you can do. Do uh, you want to do next times? Yeah, next time um, the Ark is going to be returned to Israel. Yay! Um, Samuel becomes a judge. Oh, wait. No, we already did the return. Did we do return to Israel? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. We, let me let me do. Let me we're do doing that. seven, eight, and nine mm-hmm. next time. Sorry. So um, next time it'll be First Samuel seven. Samuel becomes a judge. Israel demands a king, and Saul is chosen to be king. What did I tell you? Saul, baby. Yeah, Saul. Saul. Speaking of mental health issues, jeepers. I always like the name Saul. I don't know why. You better call Saul. I mean that, but even before that, I just always thought Saul was like a Saul. interesting. It just sounds like whenever I hear the name Saul, I just think of an older Jewish gentleman. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah, just like a real solid one, you know. So solid. yeah, um, I'm excited because we're getting into some narratives now. It's not going to be as yeah. abstract in the past. So, and I'm, I, I really unironically enjoy the Saul David narrative because it's kind of gay interesting mm-hmm. and jonathan jonathan's in there too a lot of sex i'll put it that way in the because david he was giving rock star vibes so there was a lot of sex but i'm here for it then yeah thank you for tuning in for the bible breakdown podcast hit us up at bible breakdown podcast at gmail.com um get therapy be happy have a good one we'll see you next time